yesterday it was one of the most beautiful days I've ever had with my mom. So the day before the boat trip, my mother had a really bad dream, but she didn't tell me about it. And when we were on the boat, she was just telling me oftentimes to pay attention to the kids, but I just took it as normal Greek mom Grandma nervousness. Concern. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I wasn't paying too much attention to it. And then the day after the sailing trip, we're sitting at the balcony and my mother says, I have to tell you, I had a really terrible nightmare the night before. And so I was really afraid for the children. And I said, oh, what was the dream about? And she said, well, I saw your oldest son. We were in some kind of a lake and he jumped into the lake and I saw his head submerse into the river and not come out again. This, this, there was this huge amount of land and sand and I was standing there watching him and I tried to jump, but instead of jumping into the water, I kind of fell into it and fell sideways and injured myself and I couldn't help him. And then I said, God, oh, why, why is this happening? And then I thought in my dream, why am I saying this? I've never in my life said, God, why is this happening to me? And then she woke up and she had like this, this weird feeling. We're going out on the ocean with the children. What if one of the kids drowns or something happens? So she tells me that and I go, mom, I read you know, one book about dream interpretation, but if you want, we can play a little bit with this because what I never knew was that I always thought when I dream about people, family members, and that kind of stuff, that it's about them. But now I learned that those people that we see in our dreams, most of the time are just a representation of a part of us. Our subconscious is communicating in metaphors with us. And when he wants to say your vulnerable part is afraid of something, or you're about to make a mistake because you're too childish about this, maybe you see a child making a mistake in some small way, but it's not about the child. It's about you or what that child represents symbolically to you. So she says, yeah, I'm, I'm up for it. Let's do the exercise. And so we write down all the important elements. My son, not being able to get your head out of water, her falling on her side, which is also an inter like these things are interesting little symbols that stand out, right? You could fall in so many ways while you're falling on, on your right side and you can't move from that side. And then the moment where she said, God, why is this happening? Why me? Right? Like we ripped these down and then we started, I asked her to, I would say, my oldest son's name, Georges. And I said, just give me all the associations that come up when you think of him right now. And she had a really difficult time with this. I had to like push her a little bit and stimulate her. And eventually she started saying words. And there were words on each of these symbols of her dream that stood out pretty significantly. But the other thing that stood out, my mom, because she had such a tough time doing free association or doing association around those words, on every word she said, the past, the future, tomorrow, a week from now, like she would say all these things that are like timeline-based words, which I was wondering if that has a lot to do with holding on or being more in, a, in the logical mind, because in no, in no word did she say today. It was always yesterday, a year ago, the past, next week. Ne and it was like, oh, future and past, but never in the present. And the words that stood out for my oldest son's name, Georgios, was my soul. She said it in Greek, which is my little soul, which is something we say to children. But it was interesting and it stood out that my soul was the word that 
that she brought up. Then when it came to not being able to pull out your head, strength was the word that stood out. Like she said lots and lots of words, and one of them was strength. Then when it came to her falling on her side, not being able to help him, mistake was the word that stood out. And then why God, why me, or why, why is this happening to me, God? The word that stood out was stand up. So we went into some possible interpretations without forcing any single one of them because my mother had a difficult time picking one and saying, this is it. Like, I now feel it's that. And I didn't want to, I could have easily provided one of my own, but that would have been my interpretation. So we just left it at the doing some association, talking a little bit about it. But then my mother was coming back again and again and again to the point of, I've never said, God, why me? Which is like a, she said it in Greek. It's a, a thing that Greek people would say, if, if you're hit by fate, if, if something bad happens to you, an accident, sudden death, something terrifying, something, a great tragedy, women and men would cry and say, God, why me? God, why me? That's a Greek thing to say. And my mom kept coming back to that and said, I've never said that. And actually when your father died or when other bad things happened to us, some of my friends would tell, would say to me, you've never complained about your, how do you say shiksa? Your destiny. Fate, not the right word. Your fate. Yeah. You've never complained about the fate or some of the bad luck that life has handed to you, or some of the tragedy. And my mom said, I, I, I would have never, it never crossed my mind to ask that question, why me? And then I did a little exercise with her. And I said, mom, let's put all that aside for a second. Let's imagine we know of a woman that woke up this morning, and the only thing we know about her is that she said the words, God, why me? Why did this happen to me? What do we know about this woman? If we had to come up with a story, what do we know about this woman? And you know what my mother said? My mother's association to a random woman that said, God, why me? Was weakness, ungratefulness, lack of respect. And the craziest thing was when I asked her that question, if I'd asked that question to my son, I know he would have known what I'm getting to, and he would have been able to maybe play to me, like give me the words that I really want to hear. But my mother was looking at me and she, what I was trying to get to was so far away from her that it was like obvious when somebody says, oh God, why me? It's weakness. It's ungratefulness. It's arrogance. It's being respect without respect. And then I said, mom, if we knew about another woman, and the only thing we knew about her is that when she woke up, she said the words, life is what it is. What would we know about her? And my mother said, honesty. And in that moment, maybe, I mean, there's a lot of prior conversations that happened be between my mother and me over the past couple of months. And my mother's challenge with dealing with pain, sorrow, anger, complaint, right? My mother was always pretty stoically okay. Everything is fine. She never cried in front of us when my father died. And my mother was always a, well, this is the way it is. Everything is fine. And in the last two years, she started doing some inner work. And she started at times feeling very 
depressed or feeling a sadness or having to cry. And those are all experiences that she hasn't had in decades. She's been a bit puzzled and wrangling and, and wrestling these emotions. But as I've gotten to know myself better and her a bit deeper over the last two years, it's incredibly powerful to see how far away certain parts of her are. She has banned them so far away, she does not even know that they exist, right? Any kind of gentleness, sensitivity, fear, jealousy, maybe feeling, you know, down, feeling depressed or feeling pain, emotional pain, feeling sorrow, feeling hurt. She, anytime we talk about these feelings, she looks at me like we're talking about completely alien concepts that she has a difficult time conceptualizing, right? Or accessing in some way. And when I asked her what would happen if we knew about a woman that woke up this morning and something happened to her and she said, God, why me? And she said, weakness, ungratefulness, lack of respect. I felt inside of me a massive, and it was a mixture of massive pain. I felt tremendous pain that a either was recognizing in her or was imagining. And at the same time, incredible love and respect and reverence towards my mother. Like there was just this tremendous love and admiration for the burdens my mother has carried along her life. And my mother had a very difficult life, right? Was moved to Germany from Greece when she was 12, started working in a factory at 12 years old, married, had three children, father dies gets abandoned from part of her family, gets kicked out of her apartment, factory worker, uneducated, raises three children on her own her entire life, and then has two parents that both get sick with cancer and she is taken care of in the last five, six years of, her, of their lives. Mom had not the easiest life, not the hardest, by far they're obviously harder lives, but she's, had, she's been handed some tough cards. And I always respected and loved my mother for never complaining. A single time in life. I've never seen my mother complain about anything. I still remember my mom at, at 10 p.m. at night after she had woken out at 6 to cook us food, going to work at the factory eight hours, coming back to clean the apartment, driving two hours to the hospital to take care of her mother, coming back at 9 p.m., eating something real quick, and then she was ironing all our clothes and doing the laundry. And I remember asking her, Mom, how are you doing today? And she looked at me. Like, it was like the weirdest question ever and just shook her head and went, me? Me? I'm good. I'm good. My children are happy, healthy. I'm healthy. Everything is good. And that was always her sentiment. But yesterday, and I always respected my mom. My mom was always my hero for how strong she had been for us. But yesterday, when I was going through this with her and I saw, I, I saw the, there was an innocence in her eyes. Also, a, 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 she, she almost looked at me with 12-year-old eyes, like when she, said, when she said these, to my, to my ears, very, very harsh words to that woman that said, God, why me? I felt, almost felt all of her pain and all of her suffering and all of her burden and how deeply buried all that is. And an image popped up in my mind that I've never had before, which was... A friend of mine went to a healer once and told me that he, he had told that healer about some of the problems he had with his father and that healer had done sort of a gestalt therapy or family dynamic therapy where he said, 
I'm going to embody your father based on everything you told me. I'm going to stand in front of you and you're going to, I'm going to be your father for this exercise. And I want you to go on your knees and kiss my feet, like give reverence and respect to your father. And I remember when he told me that in my mind, I thought, no fucking way, motherfucker. I would never do this with no fuck. It doesn't matter if you're brutal. If you do voodoo, it doesn't matter if you're Jesus Christ. If you tell me to go on my knees and kiss your feet, fuck off. Right? There's no way I would ever do this for nobody. And as I was sitting there looking in my mother's eyes, I had huge surge in an intuition. I wanted to get on my knees and kiss her feet. And not, I don't know how to describe it. It was not because I was feeling guilty or anything. It was just because I had such tremendous love, respect, and reverence that I wanted to honor her in that way. That felt, that felt good. That, that, that just, that was an image that just came to me. First time in my life, I would have never been able to, and I was never able to relate to this idea, but yesterday I was. And we talked a little bit more about it. I told her, to me, she asked me then, what would the associations be for you? And I said, well, if somebody told me a woman woke up and something happened and she said, God, why me? The first thing I think about is tragedy. I think about loss, pain, something bad happened to somebody. That's all I think about right now. And if somebody told me, a woman said, life is what it is in the context of our conversation right now, obviously, right? This context matters. But in the context of the conversation, I would say denial, life is what it is. That's a denial. And we talked a little bit about loss, but also trauma. What is the word for trauma in English? Sorrow. Sorrow. Is it sorrow? Sor you know, sorrow being the queen of healing, like sorrow being an important, it's not just sorrow. There's another word for when somebody dies, Lo grief, that's grief. grief, grief is an important bridge to healing when a traumatic event happens to you, right? And if you reject grief, you won't heal. And we talked a little bit about this to me saying, I would never say God, why me also means I will never look at my grief. I will never look at my pain. I'm looking away from my pain. And my mom was telling me, I, she always thought that if she said, God, why me? Well, then the question is, should it be somebody else? Should it be another mother, another woman? She's like, I'm not better than other people. So asking the question, why me? Seems so arrogant and selfish. Like, why, why not? Why should it be somebody else? And we were chatting and I think I get it. At the same time, if my child fell down and cut his leg and we had to bring him to the hospital and he had to get stitches and he couldn't go into the pool for a couple of days and he stood there, watched the other children play and he said, was crying and said, why me? Would you tell him why you're this arrogant? Why are you this weak? Why are you ungrateful? Why should it be another child? And my mother started laughing. She said, no, no way. I would never say something like this. Like, yeah. Why? Because you look at children and my children or children in general with great love, great tenderness great acceptance. The same thing applies to us as adults. If, you're, if your husband, the man you love, the father of your children dies suddenly, why would, you, would it not be okay to have a, a few days where you ask, why me? God, why did this happen? Now, you can get lost in that question. You can get stuck or you can hold on to that for way too long. That's totally fair. And then it becomes unhealthy. But pretending that, well, it is what it is. Life is what it is. And why should it be somebody else? That is also incredibly hurtful and not true. 
like, imagine with that attitude, imagine somebody like, let's say we go out sailing and the sailboat sinks and everybody dies except me. And I go, well, that's life. It could have been another sailboat, but why should it be other people? I'm going to move on. Would you say, well, what a, you know, great, honorable, loving, good person. She's like, no, I would say, what a weird bot. I'm like, well, the same thing applies in any other situation. Why would it not be okay to be in pain or to be a little selfish or to be angry? All these things are totally okay when tragedy hits you, right? And to pretend they don't exist or to pretend they are weak and ungrateful and res without respect and evil and being stoic and saying, well, life is whatever it is, is honest, seems very dishonest to me and very harsh, very, 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 very hard, unreasonably hard to oneself. We talked a little bit longer and then eventually we were sitting, it was a setup where if we were at home alone, I would have gotten on my knees and kissed her feet. If that was cool for her or not, I would have just done it. But we were in a hotel around people. I could not get her to another room. It also, the change of scenery would have felt a bit forced. I don't know. So I just went into my room and I meditated for a little bit. And then I did the whole, like I did the whole gesture by myself, basically. I just went on my knees down on the yoga mat and I just prayed and I, in my imagination, kissed her feet and, and almost devoted a prayer to my mother, to how much I love her and how much she has carried in her life for us. And then I came out and I walked around, I walked around to the kind of pool balcony area where she was sitting and I sat next to her and she looked at me and two days ago we had talked about the, something that we both go through sometimes where we get sick or a little, we, we feel a little nausea when things are overwhelming. My mom oftentimes feel nausea. And I told her that I think that for me, it's when I feel overwhelmed, but the sensitive, maybe younger child in me gets overwhelmed. I get that feeling as a fear. We talked a little bit about that. So I come back and I see her and she looks at me and smiles and goes, you know what's funny? And I go, no. She's like, I have nausea now. What does that mean? How, why, why am I sitting here and I'm nauseated right now? I'm like, well, I don't know, but I feel like we, we've done... We've had a pretty intense conversation. Maybe it was a bit too intense. I don't know, but it, it probably is fine. Things maybe are, we've steered things within you and maybe things are popping up. And then she looks at me and she goes, every time we have these kind of conversations in the past year, for days, I can feel almost like a, a soup cooking within my soul. Like things, like I have feelings that I don't have. I have memories that pop up. I dream, like things are happening, like things are intense for me. And she said, but today at the end of this, I thought maybe we're pushing a bit too hard. And I said, you know, I had the exact same thought when I came out of the meditation. The first thought that I had was we started very gently. And then at the end, like, I think I pushed a bit too hard with where we went with this. And it's just a feeling. It's not really the words that I used. And there's an, an eagerness that I have around my mother when we talk about things. That is a bit too tense. I push a bit too much because I love her so much, because I'm so insecure, because I, I want to save her in some way. With my mother, I still have this. I try to lean it back, but I still have this desire, this urge to fix things quickly, to attack things quickly, to tackle things quickly. And I shared that with her. And then she laughed and said, yeah, I feel the same way. Whenever you're around, I'm like, Stanley is here. So let's, I need to tell him all these things. I need to tell him about my dreams. I need to tell him the things I don't understand. Like, and then we laughed at each other and we talked, well, maybe we have to learn to relax around each other a little bit and go slower. Like we, we got time.
as she was sitting there, I leaned over and put my head on her lap and she started caressing my hair as if I was a little kid again. Like I haven't done this since I was very little, I don't know, 10. And it felt amazing. And I was thinking, wow, this is the first time, this very moment is the first time in two decades that I feel like her child. I don't feel like her protector, like her teacher, like somebody that has to help, somebody that has to lead, somebody that has to take care of her. I feel like her youngest child, like her youngest boy. That little moment was so beautiful. And I got up and I said, why haven't I done this in two decades? This feels amazing. I need to come and like get more caresses from you. And she, she, her face was shining like the sun. Like she was in that moment, she seemed so happy and so calm and so centered. And then we hugged and kissed. And later at night, we went to dinner, my ex-wife and my brother who joined us for dinner, both commented on Wow, this vacation was really good for your mother. Look at her. She's shining. She seems so happy. It's crazy. I haven't seen her this happy in a long time. And the next day, today, a few other friends came by to say goodbye before we were leaving, before I was leaving. And everybody commented on my mother being especially beautiful today. Oh my God, this vacation was nice for you. And it was so nice to see she seemed so happy and alive and shining. And I was. I don't know. I felt very, very happy for a few of those moments that we had yesterday. It was not planned. It sort of happened. We stumbled into it, but it felt like we had a significant and very tender and, and, and beautiful son and mother moment. And interestingly enough, yesterday was Ayapanaya in Greece. It's one of the largest... What? which is holy mother of God because it's the day that either either Christ's mother died or she was re I think this is the day she died and it's a huge a monumental holiday in Greece it's the day the only day with Christmas that nobody's working everybody's in the the in church and it's the week Prior to that, that everybody in Greece is on vacation. For one week, everybody goes on vacation in the summer. And the week before that really important holiday, Greece is a very religious, very Christian country. And at the very end of the day, I was thinking, huh, it's interesting that we're this mother-son day on the day of the Holy Mother. Like on the day that everybody in Greece is honoring the mother of Christ. And it's also funny that mother, of, they don't, they say Panagia in Greece to her, which means the forever holy person, right? Like it's like the forever holy mother or something. And I thought, wow, it's an interesting, beautiful little coincidence or not that on that special day that in all of Greece is honoring the holy, the symbol of the holy mother, I had an incredibly beautiful day with my mother. Super powerful. Hard to describe, but I'm very, very grateful we went through that, those, those moments yesterday. So in Thailand, they do this, not kissing the feet of the parent, but bowing and putting their stern right the forehead, praying. The forehead on their feet, yeah. Forehead, yeah. And then I thought if I would do that with my parents and I've had the same feeling like you were, it's like, this would be very difficult for me 
to do, right? Yes. And yes. obviously cultural context and everything, but still it was interesting how intense just imagining that it was be. and also how, yeah. And also how for me, the, 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 it was very like, no way. Right. Yeah. I, I feel you. I felt the exact same way. Yeah. Just, uh, just a few weeks ago. I think yeah. the feeling of reverence. It started a few months ago, maybe two or three months. And I've started to play with this concept, praying before, before eating food or like at the end of yoga practice, doing sort of a, a gesture of reverence that there's something above me and contemplating this idea. And then maybe because it's been something I've been meditating on or thinking around or playing with, it popped up in that moment with my mother. But it's something I, I could have never imagined myself. It, it, it seemed like, it seemed demeaning. It also seemed like I would, it would not be something my mother would enjoy either. Like she would not be able to accept this as like a, wow, this is a beautiful gesture, but would feel a strong reaction that this is too much. No, don't do that. Like she would feel uncomfortable around this. And as I said, I didn't do the thing yesterday to her, but I could have, and it would have been beautiful. And I did it symbolically on my own and it was beautiful and it didn't feel demeaning at all. It felt, yeah. it felt totally right and good. Yeah. I, so I actually did this with my in-law parents mm. and then what, what they do is they, they kind of give you a, they hold like some leaves on a twig and they put it in some scented water and they pour it over your head and they give you like good wishes and blessings basically. Right. And it felt, it felt nice. And for some reason that didn't feel awkward. It was like oh, natural wow. because everyone was doing it. Yeah, right. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. and it did feel like, oh, I'm, yeah, that's like an expression of gratitude and care and also a receiving of these good wishes and the, those blessings. Right. And it felt touching. It was interesting to see that. But then again, imagining with my own parents, where they say, ah, oh, this completely different kind of career. So. Yeah. It's funny if you're in India and some guru tells you, go on your knees, kitchen, this is going to be a spiritual thing. And this, this yeah. and the other, it's like totally nice. Uh, yeah. But within the context and culture and yeah. within the, the costume of our skin and identity in, in real quote unquote life, we're like, why would I ever do this? But there, you know, yeah. there's a reason why these gestures existed yeah. and exist. And uh, it's not just uh, old fashioned, like, Hey, we liked to use certain color schemes in the eighties. And then in the nineties, we didn't like them anymore. These are symbolic gestures that humans have had for thousands and thousands of years and still persist in many cultures, many places. Yeah. There's something to them that is not just outdated and dumb. There's a wisdom, there's a, there's a beauty in that symbolism. And maybe our discomfort with those things points strong mirror back to, it's also, again, we've discussed this, such a re recurring theme in, on this podcast that strong feelings, strong internal reactions, good or bad, really strong reactions point to inner truths that are laying in hiding right? That are hidden within us. And so when you tell me, could you imagine going on your knees and kissing the feet of your mother? And I am internally okay and think I could, but I don't have a desire to do it. That's a very different reaction. When I think no fucking way would I ever do this? Are you insane? That 
points to something, a wound, a fear, yeah. something yeah. powerful that's hidden. And if you think about it, like your parents, the mother, has, your mother, every, even started yesterday thinking a lot about the symbol of the Holy Mother. There's something really powerful in that idea and that metaphor. But you, the, the mother has literally been the vehicle that has given you life, right? It ne that was the vehicle that was carrying you inside and growing you out of her, like, and helping you get into this life and survive in your most vulnerable days. And then to grow up to the point where you're physically independent and pretend it's just another person. Yeah, sure. It's my mother, but shoulder shrug. So she's a bit, you know, she's a bit annoying or, you know, but I can't talk to her. My cool software startup job, like, I don't know. Yeah, but she has like these things that I find irritating. Thinking about your mother as if it's some kind of neighbor that you kind of like, yeah, I've known her my whole life, but you know, uh, I don't know. There's something so unwise, so sick in that thinking versus in cultures where some of these rituals and some of these ideas are much more stabilized still. The idea of whenever we arrive at home at our parents at the village, we'll kiss the feet of our father or we'll like bow to the, or we'll do these gestures to show our reverence, our respect, our admiration. How is that not the absolute appropriate and right way and a much more healthy way of dealing within the generations versus the, yeah, these people did everything for me, but once I got out of the house at 17, fuck them, right? I don't, they are annoying. I don't care about them. How is that like modern in a way that is progressive and better? Like, oh, this is a much better way to live your life. It's like, it's crazy. But again, you've told yeah. somebody telling this to my 17 year old self would have not been successful at convincing right. me of any of this. Yeah. Uh, so I get yeah. it when you're not convincing. Also, if, you, if you hear this and you think it's dumb, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I find it interesting to ponder, like, if you assume that, oh, this is how the human, whatever, psyche or the human blueprint is, right? That there is this figure and then you don't have that towards your parents or elderly. And then what or whom do you have that towards? Like, what's replacing that for you? What's the substitute? Right. And I think that if you look at modern life, there's like, okay, there's some interesting explorations that you could do. And then yeah, because it becomes even more obvious that maybe this is not the best way. <laughs> yeah. Because we are replacing these figures, these central figures in our psyche and in our life with other things. It used to be with other people. Now it's a mixture of people and things. And what are those things, right? If you read some of the greatest modern literature on child education and some of the biggest challenges we face with young children today and young adults is that we don't have intergenerational structures anymore where the grandparents teach the parents how to be parents and the parents teach the children how to be adults. The grandparents are somewhere gone. Who cares? The parents learn how to be parents from other parents, from their peers, and the children learn how to become adults from their peers, from other children and other kids don't want to learn it from their parents anymore. Now everybody's confused and lost. And we turn teenagers and pop stars into our idols, our heroes, and our leaders and think, you know, Justin Bieber knows how to live life. I should just live 
like he does. And he becomes the father figure, right, of some kids or whoever it is, right? I'm totally out. He's, he's way out as well. But what if a TikTok star is the father figure that children will admire and will try to emulate? Well, good luck, right? If a 13-year-old is the father of 10 million 10-year-olds, how could that, how could that kid teach them and replace that role in a healthy way? And so it's, it's stars. It is consumption of things. It is all kinds of other symbols and things we place in our life to give us guidance from a fatherly direction to maybe give us gentle love or make us feel loved in closeness because the mother figure is not there. We're not allowing it to be there. Yeah, you're right. Like that we all have, I mean, we see it with animals, right? You like, you have a zebra that gets born in the, and you place a Jeep next to the zebra and the zebra will imprint the Jeep as mother, right? You see how incredibly powerful these ideas are in nature, in humanity on this planet that an animal will imprint that a, a vehicle is their parent and follow that around and love that like a mother because it needs to find those symbols and archetypes in the world to make sense of the world to be able to operate within the world and so do and yeah not not finding a way and i know that for some people it's much harder than for others but for most people i would say not finding a way to love respect and feel reverence towards your parents, not finding a way is an indication that you are lost, but that there is a place that you can get to out of the labyrinth of wherever we all are, that will feel much better. It will feel much more whole, not just because you do something nice to your parents, for yourself, for your own soul, you will feel better, more whole, more holy or ground it when you find a way to get to that place, whatever that is. It doesn't have to be, I dislike my father and the next second it's like, I love him and I kiss his feet all day long. Like that's too big of a jump, but finding ways to ease closer and closer to a healthier relationship with these important figures in our life. It's tremendously important. Yeah. I actually liked when you talked about your grandfather, where it's like you saw all these shortcomings and flaws and all of that. So it's not, it's not a holy feeling love and, and reverence for someone doesn't mean that, oh, they are perfect. I must do everything they say and I have to sacrifice myself or anything like this. But it means you recognize what they've done for you. You also understand their story and where they're coming from. And you can still see, wow, okay, this person, in the case of a mother, I wouldn't be in this world without what this person has done. I wouldn't be in this world. I wouldn't be who I am. And maybe there's parts of me I don't like, and I maybe blame my mother for them. But once I get to know, truly get to know open-mindedly and open-heartedly her story and her mother's story and her mother's mother's story, it's hard not to see that we all carried our burdens and struggles and maybe your mother or your father weren't perfect and maybe they didn't try hard enough in, in your mind, right? But they have a story and recognizing that doesn't mean saying I'm going to repeat it or saying I admire it or saying I want to do the exact same thing, just like you said. But it says, I recognize that no matter what, this person brought me to this world and because of this person, I am. And this is not a small thing. Because of this person, I exist. Seems like a thought. It, it seems such an obvious idea that we're like, so what? Who gives a shit? But it's the most important thing in your life, literally, like 
you would not completely exist without these people. And, and, and not recognizing that and honoring that in some way, right? Small or big, not honoring that it was because of this that I am, because of these people. And maybe also finding, seeing some of the good these people have done, even if they've done little good to your judgment. It's a disservice to yourself. It means that the parts within us that are similar to our parents, the parts within us where we repeat our parents' mistakes and traumas, we don't look at, we don't accept, we pretend don't exist, and so we won't heal and truly expand and evolve the family tree, right? We'll be stuck because we're not looking at it and we're not accepting it and we're not dealing with it. The whole parenting, you know, one interesting last thought on this, we talked about this a number of times. A good friend of us who's had big challenges with his parents in his adult life, you know, in his 30s, and for a while at least was placing tremendous blame on them for some of his life's challenges, where both of us as external parties were looking at those stories and thinking, is this really the trauma that you got from your parents? Like, these seem like pretty fucking good parents. And the trauma you're looking at is, is, you know, I mean, okay, they were not perfect, but, you know, they were loving, they were feeding you, they were, they did a lot of amazing things. Those are not terrible parents in some universally accepted interpretation. So we were almost, we're not almost, we were judging him with a smile, you know, not harshly, but with a smile judging him and going, this is, this, this is the, pro the problems, all these problems in his life because of these parents, these parents are dope. Like he needs to find a better source for his trauma. But what I see consistently is that we all, like, if you look at therapy, if you look at the friend of us that does uh, all the psychedelic uh, retreat and the MDMA therapy, so many people always goes back to the parents, like a lot of inner work threads in all kinds of places. It ends up at the family tree at the beginning. And so I feel like uh, all of us carry some burdens from our parents, some challenges, some good, some bad. And if we're not ready to deal with it, to really, as we grow up and become adults, deal with our parents, find a way to heal our relationship right. with them and to honor them and to evolve our relationship to something holy and, and whole and healthy, we're going to struggle for life potentially. Yeah. Also, like, I, I like to say, hey, okay, when you're a kid, when you're a teenager, right, then yes, but once you're like a grown-up person, it's your life, right? Don't blame your parents. But then also, every once in a while, there's something where some insight or some moment or some realization or uh, whatever, some hurt feeling, right, that connects to whatever, my, my father, my mother or something. And that's typically the one that cuts fucking deep, right? It's like, shit. So, yeah. Uh, Nothing cuts deeper than the wounds we collected as children. Nothing. Because oftentimes as children, we did not know how to attend to these wounds, these emotional wounds, spiritual wounds. And oftentimes... The adults around us didn't either because nobody attended to theirs when they were children. And so these wounds we carry with us and they are most in a state of most hurt. And they're the, the, the ones that are really deep and deep and increased depth over the years. So yeah, we go, ah, this was when I was a child. I don't have a problem with this anymore in my mind, right? But uh, when we really open our heart and soul, we really go deep. Those are the moments where we have to humble ourselves and go, wow, surprising how much this still hurts, right? 
my mother, one of the things that popped up for her as she was reading some of these books about feelings, one day as she was in the kitchen, she had a memory that she hasn't had her whole life. She never remembered this moment, but it popped up in her head. And it was the memory when she was 10 years old and my grandfather left the house in the morning in a cab and he left without saying goodbye and he left to Germany. And the reason he left in the super early hours of the day without saying goodbye to somebody is that he didn't have the permission from the military or something to leave the country or to leave for the airport, but he still did it because he wanted to go to Germany, work at a factory and see if he could make money and then bring his family to Germany, to migrate to Germany. My mother knew that my father, my grandfather left for Germany when she was a kid, but that was it. She, she always assumed that somebody told her or something. And then she remembered as a child seeing him leave and thinking her father has left forever. And she remembered going to the breakfast table and the entire, not eating and waiting for her mother to tell her something about where dad went. And my grandmother didn't say shit. Right? She just was complaining why my mother wasn't eating. And then the entire day uh, went by and two days and three. And my mother was waiting to hear somebody please say something about that. And nobody said anything. And my mother thought her father left forever. And she never remembered that. And she had weeks where two, three times a week, she, that memory was popping up and she had to cry, you know, again and again and again because she not, was able to reconnect with how she felt as a kid and she was terrified that her father left. And this is the wound that my mother, who is now 66 years old, this happened when she was 10. My mother from 11 or 12 years on, she did not even know that this happened. Completely forgot. In her own mind, she was like, I always thought, yeah, I know when we were ki kids, he left for Germany. If you'd asked me, I always assumed we knew. She didn't know. She didn't know as a child. She didn't remember that whole episode, right? And now it popped up. These wounds cut deep, right? And they don't just disappear because we don't remember them. Family. Deep, hard, inner work. <laughs>